Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson and I'll be your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life, questions, and issues. If you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thank you for listening in, and may the Lord bless this podcast greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and benefit. We hope that you will enjoy today's episode. Well, today we are back. I'm joined again with Jason Rowland and Philip Castleton. How are you guys doing? Good. We're at the end of uh, a long recording day, and I'm yes. looking forward to getting into this uh, last podcast to, uh, again, uh, bless and, and encourage the people of our prayer. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and I've been, I've been, uh, I've enjoyed the day with you. Yeah. I have enjoyed the day. It's the first day we record these podcasts in one day for the month, and we've gotten to spend the whole day with Duffy. This is the most time I've spent with you, but I've enjoyed it. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate it. It's been a, a labor of love. Would you guys agree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it it's, has. it's been it it's has. been a joy, truly. Yeah, and a and a high cost. Uh, remember, I paid for lunch this time. <laughs> I yeah. got extra meat. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. That's why I insisted on not paying for yours. <laughs> but uh, oh, finally, my. because it is a labor of love, I did. <laughs> well, if you didn't know this already, we, we enjoy each other's conversation and, 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 and just presence with one another. And we are wrapping up a did series. You, did of... you say you're giving presents? <laughs> that was Jason today. That was your meat, okay, okay, okay. on sandwiches. We had Subway for lunch, and we are in this afternoon lull. Uh, but we want to wrap up this series on corporate worship. Um, we have mentioned uh, already multiple times over the over the course of the episodes that the Word of God is supreme. It's authoritative in our lives. And we're going to look at several key texts, although these aren't exhaustive. There are many other texts in the New Testament and the Old Testament that informs us of our worship together and our worship of God. So before we dive into the key texts that we're going to look at today, Jason, would you just give us a a little recap over the last few episodes of what we've covered? Uh, We actually begin the month of March 2020 with a... um episode in which we introduced you, Duffy, and we talked about your background and just some of the personal aspects of your life and uh, childhood, marriage, um, previous churches. Then we went into a discussion for the month of March about corporate worship or gathered worship and what does that look like. We talked about the church, what is the definition of a church, uh, how do we understand uh the church and then our understanding of the church informs who the church is and what the what the people do within the context of gathered worship we we asked the question and talked about um, what is the necessity or why is corporate worship necessary and we talked about two different aspects one being the um, heavenly aspect if you will in which the um, purpose for which we are created is ultimately fulfilled as we gather with God's people to worship in the church. And we also then talked about the fact that um, within that, uh, God has gifted particular people and that we all have spiritual gifts and that we have church gathered for the purpose of mutual benefit toward one another. 
the last episode that we spent a, a lengthy time, I think it was over an hour and 15 minutes, that we actually talked about the regulative principle of worship primarily, which, but, but, but we talked about the biblical parameters for gathered worship. How does that look? Uh, what is the difference between a regulative principle and a normative principle? And um, how, to, how to think about the things that we do. So that's where we've been on the the four previous episodes, and now we're coming into today's episode, uh, just looking at texts that will help us to think about these things, kind of a, uh, wrapping up all of this discussion on corporate worship. Yeah, that's great. And so uh, we want to just dive right in. Uh, we're going to look at three, uh, I would say, key or crucial texts when we are talking about the church and gathered worship. Um, one of those texts is found in Colossians chapter 3. The other one you're probably, as a listener, very familiar with or know about the text in 1 Corinthians when Paul writes to the church in Corinth about worship uh, within, the, within the church. And then we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, also a fairly familiar text. And there are many others that we could have chosen uh, within the Old and New Testaments that we could uh, expound upon, but uh, we're just going to want to walk through these. And this is where we see Scripture speaking specifically to what we as believers do when we gather together. So if you have a Bible nearby, go ahead and open with us and we'll read through Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 17. And I chose this one because I'm a worship leader and I like this text a lot because it talks about singing together. So I, I claimed this one. So if you're, if you would, uh, reader, wherever you are, um, I'll be reading from Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 17, particularly I'm in the English Standard Version, and I think that's where we have all been reading from. Starting in verse 12, Paul writes to the church in Colossae, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, he says, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you almost also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule, it's a key word, rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I just wanted to pull this text out and and speak briefly about this. Um, We could spend probably a whole episode talking about it. But when we gather as a church, uh, when we come together in corporate worship, uh, Paul gives us practical outworkings of what we ought to do. But before we get to the practical outworkings, he speaks to the heart He penetrates to the the character, the disposition, the attitude of the worshiper. And so we have uh, these descriptors and that we need to be seeking out and and actively pursuing compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and bearing with one another. another. Um, Dealing with complaints against one another. I just can't imagine if if we had... um, multiple members of local churches and the vast majority of adults and and even teens who are regenerate in churches that 
are seeking these qualities and seeking reconciliation and peace with one another, how many, um, how many issues would be avoided in our churches as we gather to worship? And we remove all of these boundaries and barriers between us. Uh, we put up walls between brothers and sisters in Christ over, um, I would say, petty differences um, that are easily disagreed upon, but yet there's still unity through the bond of peace. And so when we come to gather together, um, the, 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 the purpose and the aim, I know specifically of our church leadership, is that we would make every effort to remove any barriers that would cause division within our body. And of course, we realize that sometimes that's not totally possible with preferences, and uh, we're not here to just to please everyone just because that's our aim. But we do strive for unity and peace. And so th- um, in our outworkings from our heart, uh, Paul says that, that we then, um, one particular outworking is that we are addressing one another. So this is a, a horizontal. If you're thinking about a vertical and horizontal, um, when we gather together, it's twofold. We are worshiping God and the way that he is prescribed, but we are also benefiting others. We are addressing one another in wisdom um, spiritual wisdom, of course, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So I know as a worship leader, as a song leader, um, I want to be biblically centered in my song selection. I want to pick music that will benefit the church, that will grow the church, that will challenge the church um, together um, as we sing biblically centered, text centered, speaking of the scripture, um, songs. Um, I don't really have an eye all the time towards the style of songs, although we do have a particular style I think that we gravitate to. There are many other styles that um, that would be secondary to the text that we're singing because music in and of itself isn't necessarily evil or good. It's just music. Um, the words that we sing change everything, right? And so um, I know that's just a a personal conviction of mine. So as we seek, this is just one outworking of the regulative principle that I go to, something that's benefiting the church, something that falls within the parameters of biblical teaching. Um, And so I don't know if you guys want to speak to that briefly before we go to our second text. I I think that I would like to say a couple of things about this text that would be uh, beneficial for us to think about. Number one, the idea of thankfulness is implicit oh, in here, or explicit, it. rather, yes. in in the text. Yes. And the idea then, let the word of Christ, um, that, again, not only regulates our corporate worship, but it also regulates how we individually relate oh, to one another. Man. We're talking about a vertical and a horizontal purpose. Um, and then this idea of teaching and admonishing one another uh, and how are we teaching and admonishing one another? We're doing that by the singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And and maybe sometime we could get into a category, a discussion on the categories of what sure. this is. Sure. But for our purposes, again, we're we're talking about um, the idea of gathered worship is for the mutual benefit of teaching and admonishing one another. 
And we're doing this in wisdom, it says in the text, that we do this in all wisdom. Where does the wisdom come from? The wisdom is the Word of God, that we glean from it how we are to do this, and that these categories of, particularly, this just used the category of singing, but the preaching of the Word, the reading of the Word, the seeing the Word, praying the Word. And again, Paul comes back to this idea of thankfulness. He says, and be thankful, and then he talks about admonishing and teaching one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts. And so gratitude then becomes the the major component of what it is to gather and worship. So he's not Man, only talking here so about good. he's not only talking about the elements that we're supposed to use, but the posture of our heart while we're doing them. Yes, yes. yes. That's what exactly. Yeah. And think about how our worship services and our gatherings together would be transformed if if our church members and our congregants and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ entered corporate worship with a thankful heart and a humble heart because we of all people are ought to be a grateful people for what God has done for us right in the in the in the person and work of Christ and the the salvation that we have been uh, graciously given I mean we Boy, we come grumbling and complaining, don't we? We do. We come with distracted we, hearts. Distracted hearts. And not discontented hearts. Yes. Um, frustrated hearts. You know, it's so interesting that um, this very same thing, this thankfulness, the, the posture of our hearts in worship is ex- is exactly the absence of that thankful heart is exactly why God's wrath is revealed against mankind in Romans 1, because they were not Thankful. thankful. Yeah. That's right. And they exchanged, what is it, the truth of God for, for a, a lie, lie? and we're not thankful. That's right. And, and, and we forget that recognizing the, the creator, creation distinctive, and the providence that is ours in every breath is a requirement for proper worship. Yes. And, and, and so great. we have the same thing here, right? You should come songs, hymns, spiritual songs, thinking about your brother, thinking about the Lord, and in that, recognize the providence of God's hand, right? Because that's what we're ultimately thankful for. And and, and maybe this will bounce off what you're saying, Philip, and maybe you're saying this, but not only are we thankful to God for his providences, his uh, means of grace to us, but we're thankful for one another. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, what you can add to my life, uh, what the next person could add to my life, how I might benefit them. Um, we've said it several times in other episodes that we are by necessity put together because we need one another. And um, yeah, thankfulness so is, a, is a response that I ought to have toward you two brothers yes. for what you can give to my There's life. a horizontal and a vertical thankfulness. Yes, yes. Thankfulness. that's true, yeah. which actually leads us to the next It does. Point. Let's yeah. go ahead and go to First um, Corinthians, and really we're going to survey chapters 12 through 14, but Philip is going to kind of walk us through some of this, this core argument that Paul is making. Philip, take it away for yeah, us. Yeah, with uh, with the length of the text in mind, I will be uh, I will use brevity and I know that if anybody knows me they're going they're laughing right now, but I really will um, <laughs> as are we, brother. <laughs> I know. But I really will because I just want to give you the main um, uh, the thrust of the argumentation. We'll just look at a couple of verses, but in the chapters 12, 13 and 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about 
um, spiritual gifts. He's talking about that which God has given to every individual who is in Christ, who has been redeemed, has been made new, and given the power of the Holy Spirit, who's, who's indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And he starts there, I mean, it's obvious in chapter 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. And he starts talking about this. But the, the main thrust that, that I want to bring home, I think in the context of what we're talking about corporate worship, is that chapter 12 tells us in no uncertain terms that we need each other. We must gather together because um, the gathering together is the appropriate place for these spiritual gifts to be worked out. And of necessity, they cannot be worked out individually. Okay. And we can look at this text, right? Look at verse 7, chapter 12, verse 7. To each, he's talking about each one who's in Christ, right? To each good. is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, a lot of the, the confusion, especially with regard to spiritual gifts, is they were given to me for me. They were given to me for some private working out or, or whatever edification. But the text says no. To each one was given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means whatever God, however God has gifted me in the context of this body, can't be rightly worked out at home by myself. It must be done in in the gathering. It's designed to be used within the within the gathered church. Yes, and this why why I actually used the word in another um, podcast that we're ill-equipped. Okay, I am ill-equipped to do all of it by myself. Right. I'm ill-equipped. I can't rightly serve God um, in, in, in any kind of fullness or totality by myself because it takes me and you and Jason and, 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 and all these people that God has put together who are all gifted uniquely, right, coming together for this thing to work. He's going to use the same illustration here in a few minutes about the body. And he's going to say, um, why is it that one would say, I'm not a hand, so I don't, I'm not going to be a part or I'm not a foot, or I'm not a nose, or I'm not an eye. He's saying everyone is 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 necessary. The hand, by the way, if it's not attached to the eye, will die. I mean, if it's not attached to the body, will die. The eye only functions right when it's in its socket, right? And so he puts all these things together, and he says even the parts you can't see, the parts which you would normally give no real credit to, he says they actually have the most weight. He says they are needed, right? Our liver, no, we don't ever think about our liver oh. until it quits working. Right. And then we realize we're in a lot of trouble, right? And that's the point he's making. It, there are no unnecessary parts, but they function right and only right when they're together. This is the argument of chapter 12. And I only say this, chapter 13 is given um, when Paul recognizes that these Corinthians are abusing uh, their gifts. They're abusing what they think are gifts. They're longing for gifts in some situations that they don't have. Yeah. And they were they are wanting to look like, they want the showy gifts. So he begins chapter 13, well, he ends chapter 12 with this statement, which is in English looks, um, it's hard because it looks like he's telling us to to look for and long for these gifts. But really what he's saying is, you earnestly desire the showy ones. You do. That's not good. Let me show you a better way. He talks in chapter 13 about love, the proper way 
to exercise our gifts are in the context of the body and working out in love. Yes. And he says, and if I, even if I try to exercise <clears throat> my gifts and I do, and I give my body completely over to the flames, but I don't do it in love, I've accomplished nothing, right? So the right way to do this is in love. And, and this all is, 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 is prefiguring what he's trying to get to, and that is the abuse of spiritual gifts, which is what he starts in 14. And he begins to show the disunity and the disharmony of the misuse of gifts, right? When people are trying to be self-glorified, right? Self-attaining, when they're trying to have everybody look at them, right? The use of their gifts have been selfishly hijacked, right? He's saying it doesn't work. And he says this in, in the context of chapter 14, he says this over and over. He uses the word upbuilding, encouragement. On verse three, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, consolation. In verse five, he says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongue unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. In verse 12, so with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. In verse 17, you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. That's what happens when you act selfishly in this context, right? Man, that's good. And then in verse 26, let all things be done for building up. I mean, this is the, the point. Spiritual gifts rightly understood are given to the individual for the body. For right? others. For yes. others yes. to be worked out in harmony, in use, yes. in, 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 in concert with the body. So when we go back and think about corporate worship, it can't, this is why corporate worship is necessary. Individual worship can be done, sure. We go home the course of our lives daily as we obey, as we do things to the best of our ability, as the end of your text says, right? Let all things be done, you know, with thanksgiving and so forth in, in Colossians. Um, that is a way in which we can live out um, and, and, and worship individually. But God has designed us to be come together, for our, our gifts to be worked out together, for it to be done in love. And when we abuse those things, all we do is pervert that's God's right. vision that's right. for us. And that's the text in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, yes. ultimately, yes. In, in a truncated way. Yeah, and I think I, I love this because, you know, most of us are very familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. And it's so interesting that within the context of chapters 12 through 14, which it's sandwiched in the middle... Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is a, a rebuke to self-pride. It's not, um, Paul didn't give that for us a text for marriage ceremonies. Although it applies there, it's really interesting there that 1 Corinthians 13, he's giving, he's giving the Corinthian church the opposite example of how they've been acting. He says, let me show you a better <laughs> yes, way. Yes, this is how you ought to be conducting yeah, yourself. This is the way you've been conducting yourselves. Yes, let me show you something yes. better. Then let me show you the perversion that happens yes. when you take it a different route. Yeah. And, and to bounce off of what you're saying in this text, also in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, uh, we read there in verse 33, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Uh, we read at the end of that chapter, verse 40, yep, yep. But all things should be done decently and in order. So this then becomes the... the um, way in which we conduct ourselves in worship. Yes. Uh, we, we do it so that people aren't confused. We do it for upbuilding, and we do it so that um, um, 
there's there's order and decency in it. It's not confusing. Uh, there's no um, uh, contradictions yeah. that could cause people to try to uh, be lost in understanding. And that's why we've said earlier in previous episodes, um, we're trying to be clear. Yes. And so yes. what what we're talking about too in these texts is the elements of regulative principle, right? So you use Colossians chapter three. And that's singing the word. Yeah, that's right there in Scripture that we ought to be doing that. Yes, right. right. But and we do that within the confines of the of what we see in First Corinthians fourteen. Yes, orderly. Yes, um, for building up. For building up, right? Yes. Which yes. means I I don't always do my own preference. I I serve others uh, with with uh, I I take into account others' preferences. Right. I uh, yes, and so there. And I think that sometimes we have this this idea that order and uh, we can take it too far and think that order equals being wooden and stale. Uh-huh. And that uh, some some would say, well, order makes it too boxy. We need we need freedom here. And I think that would make the argument that we when we have this regulated order, uh, there's you know where the confusion comes in is when people <laughs> will say something like. You know, at our church, we let the Spirit speak, right? That kind of thing. And I think ours does too. He spoke through His Word, and He told us exactly we how He wants right things. Here. But they'll go, <laughs> "I just we let the Spirit work." And I'm thinking, yeah, He says He works through His Word. <laughs> but you can tell that we obviously aren't seeing the same thing, right? Exactly. We're talking past each other. Yes. But the, but it's an amazing thing. You're absolutely right because some people see disorder as. as the working of the spirit, yes. the freedom to let yes. the spirit work, and and what Paul is saying here is, no, you've missed the point. That is actually all of your flesh. The spirit working actually works itself out into orderly, functional um, edification of the body, yes. and and anything that's not in that category is not of the spirit. Right. And then if we go to Second Timothy, or rather First Timothy, and we see in chapter 2, verse 1, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that they may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. But this then becomes the text for us to think about um, the regulative principle of Praying the word. Yes, so good. Thank yeah. you for bringing that in. And yes. then, and then, we see the same thing in First Timothy chapter three, when Paul says in verse eleven, "Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture." To exhortation and to that's teaching. as clear as it could be, right there. Right. Yeah. Uh, in in Second Timothy, and that's First Timothy that we just looked at, but in Second Timothy chapter four, we have this command given to us: "I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word." Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. And so those texts then become 
the the basis for those regular principal elements of preach the word, read the word, see the word, yeah. uh, rather sing the word. Yeah. And then we have <laughs> the examples of baptism and the Lord's Supper as given to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Yes, exactly. Uh, when Paul talks about this is what the Lord gave me on the night that he was betrayed. Or, yes. Um, so we see the elements of the, the Lord's Supper. And to take it back to the order that we're talking about, that's exactly what he's condemning in chapter 12, uh, 11 again. These people had been out of order, right? Yes. They've been acting. They were in, taking it wrongly and they were taking it in sin. Yes, and they were acting in their flesh. They were acting in right? flesh. And it was exactly the point he's trying to correct. Well, all of 1 Corinthians is written to a church of immature sure. uh, believers and it's a corrective letter. You guys, I've been, I've, I've, I've taught you, you should be growing and you're not where you ought to be because you've been letting your flesh drive you. Come back to the word, come back into the authority of the word of let the, let God be your, really Christ be your authority. Um, and so, yeah. But the interesting thing when we talk about this regulative principle and the elements of worship and all of this is if we allow Corinthians in, in the context we've just been talking about to speak, what is being condemned constantly is the disorder. What's being condemned constantly is moving outside of the parameters. And what he's saying is come back in. You have been garnered. But to get us back on track, the point is you have to come together for these things to rightly work. You can't do them. You're not all a bunch of individual Lone Ranger Christians. Well, that's what we've been kind of harping on the whole time. We've got to be together. And if you're not doing it together, even if you're are together, yes. if you're acting it out in a singular way, you might yeah. as well not be together. Well, and that makes, oh, we could go, uh, but that, we, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that just because there are bodies in a room, it does not mean that we are together and unified under the same, uh, I mean, there, we can be standing shoulder to shoulder with one another and be in, in division and with malice and anger in our hearts towards someone because of something that was said or done. Chapter 13. And mm, let me show you a better preach. way. That'll, that'll if preach. I offer my body to be burned yes. and I have not love, I am nothing. If yes. I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, yeah. I'm a, you know, that's the preacher. That, he's speaking to the preacher right there. That's, he's making that yes. point. Y'all are yes. standing side by side, but you're actually not together yes. at all. Yes. We've seen this disunity all the way through the book. And we want to be clear, too, that unity doesn't necessarily mean... Uniformity. Yeah, yes. everybody be the same and, and That's not, have yeah, all course, the same of course. Uh, yes. preferences and Unity, ideas. I mean, in, in the sense of maybe, to be more clear, is striving for peace. Laying aside desires and, and preferences and sh- having peace our, be our aim, as Colossians 3 says and other texts, uh, Romans 14, 15. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. I, I so would many. argue Romans 2. because the, <laughs> and, and I say that because the point that he makes in That's the text we preach. That's just because you just preached that. I know, but the point he makes <laughs> is that it, we're either living for eternity oh, for sure. or we're not. For sure. and, and we have one singular mm. aim. If we're all aimed in the same direction, mm-hmm. we're living in unity. The problem is some of us are aimed there and You're some on. of us are aimed over here That's and some true. of us are aimed over there. And that's real disunity. We've got multiple people wanting uh, a turn at the steering wheel. Yes. And yeah, and there's so many things. Okay, so as we wrap this this episode up today, we've looked at two crucial texts. We've looked at some others. Uh, Jason brought into mind the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy. Let's end our time together. Um, Hebrews 10, it's a crucial text that reminds us of the importance of gathering together as the body. 
I'm just going to read in chapter 10 of Hebrews, beginning in verse uh, 19, where the writer says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I think about the text, and and we talked about this earlier, but remember that the church is a holy people, and so God's presence is indwelling his people. It's not a geographical location anymore, like we see in the Old Testament. So it's God indwelling a people, and the great high priest is the Lord Jesus himself over that people. And not only is he the one who is interceding for us now, but he also has interceded for us in this death and his resurrection and is at the right hand of the Father now. And so this text would call us to remember that, that we have a a great high priest and it ought to motivate us in our confession. It ought to motivate us in our service. It ought to stir us up to worship and bring us together so that we would stir up one another to love and to good works because we have a great high priest that has done work for us and now we have been changed and transformed so the good works then become the evidence of our faith that has been uh, given to us in belief and we want to then come together and not neglect the opportunity to come together, as is in this case, in the writer's uh, original audience, was a habit of some. And I would say that that's a habit of some in our own culture. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. Um, I do, if I could interject really quickly, uh, just one observation from this text that I find helpful is that the author of Hebrews uh, emphasizes, at least in part, that this gathering, this coming together is others-focused. We've mentioned that so many times. Yes, yes. You come, the importance of you coming is not firstly about you, but it's about your brother or your sister in Christ. So you coming to the gathered worship service, you coming to sing, to hear the word preached, isn't even primarily about you first, although it is about you in the sense of your benefit. But he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and uh, stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. So there's this others focused. And then at the very end, he ends with this forward hope. Philip, you just mentioned that we are unified in our hope of what is yet to come. We're living in this already, but we live with this hope of this, what is to come, this not yet reality. First Peter 1, 3 through 5. Amen. Yeah. And you know something else that he does in this text is he founds this whole thing in the gospel. Yes. And then yes. he says that in the essence, if you were to look at it, Jesus gave himself, now you give yourself. He grounds us in the cross. Yeah, that's what he does, right? right. Yeah. And he says that, that one of the good works mm-hmm. 
is not neglecting yourself gathered together. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So that one of the evidences of a true believer is that they will long to be with God's people. Yes. And they will make it intentional in their life. Now, again, we understand that there are those extenuating circumstances and there are exceptions. Apart from the, the exceptions, in a normative pattern of a Christian life, the gathering of yourself with other believers is a good work that the great high priest would even take notice of. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've preached on this. We've talked about it perhaps even um, in, um, in the context of your sermon last week, that good works become then the evidence that the, your life has been transformed. What's so amazing about that text is that they're not only um, inseparably linked your works and your salvation, salvation alone, but a salvation that's not alone, right? So well, faith alone, rather, you know, um, but they're so inseparably linked that though we're justified by faith, condemnation is on the basis of works. So if, if he can condemn all men, all men on the basis of works, and ju- then, then, then he cannot, then it by, by default means that, that those who he, all, he gives eternal life to, who have by a, a, an endurance or a patience in doing good, he gives all these, you know, these eternal benefits, these spiritual benefits, by definition, they cannot be divorced from faith, right? They must show up, which is the point that, that the, t- the t- text is making. Since you have this high priest, since he, he gave himself, since he did these things, let this be said about you. Right. Yeah. Let yeah. this be the way that you live out your life. And to a point, right? It's not just that you do these things, but you do them with an eternity in view, right? right? right. Aimed at the, the, you want, you so long for the things of God to come that your life marks that desire and path now. Right. In fact, he says all the more as yeah. you see the day drawing yeah. near. That so there's is this the progression. Yeah. There's a progressive well, it's movement like in that. Well, it's like you're moving to the finish line. Right, you see the finish line in view, and as you're going, you're striving to get there so hard, you're ripping off anything that would keep you from the end. Yeah. Right, Hebrews right? twelve. Yeah. All the yeah. more, grab your buddy and help him. Let's go. Right. Yeah. So uh, this, it's a wonderful thing. I want to just uh, bring in Titus. Um, Paul writes to Titus, and he mentions good works at least four to six times in here that I'm looking. Um, but he grounds this good work as evidence, as an outpouring of true regeneration. And so he, he gives Titus this reminder of the gospel in chapter 3. And then he says, um, the saying, speaking of the, the gospel that he just laid out in verse 8 of Titus 3, he says, the saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things, sound doctrine, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works these things are excellent and profitable for people. Yes. And so all of the things that we do within the, specifically within corporate worship, but the gathered church in general, we want those things to be profitable and beneficial. All of these grounded in the, in the sound doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, we're, we're brought together and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we've had long conversation um, again on this episode. Jason, um, you have anything else to add? Well, to that? I, I just want to mention one thing. You know, I know I know we're uh, wanting to end the episode, but 
this flies in the face of our contemporary thought mm. that uh, church is a an option that we choose mm. whenever we want to. Whenever there's not a better option, mm. uh, that is gathered worship. When I say church, yeah, yeah. gathered worship is something that we can take or leave. That That is the mindset. That's the default that we have in our culture. Mm. Uh, and our culture is so bombarded with so many choices now um, that... Um, it is easily to lose the importance, the spiritual importance uh, of gathered worship in all of the hustle and bustle of um, whether it be sports or whether it be entertainment, whether it be um, just recreation. Um, these are all things that vie for our attention That's and our affections. Such a great point. And and we can't we can't buy into those worldly. F- Ideas and not that the entertainment or sport or recreation are evil in and of themselves, but they cannot be chosen above the gathering of God's people together. Yeah, uh, there's too much at stake, yeah. and we've talked about it in the previous podcast up to this one. And this is our final uh, podcast that we're doing uh, in the series on worship. And in the month of April of 2022, we'll have another uh, subject that we'll be uh, dealing with. Yes. But our prayer is that these um, episodes that we have uh, gone through, and perhaps more could have been said, maybe said differently even, but we pray that God will use them. Can I say one thought, too, real yeah. quick? I promise I'll make go it Go ahead. Quick. Yeah, go ahead. On, on, on that, that time when we come together, that time when we gather corporately is the only time in our lives when we're actually fulfilling what it is we were created to do. Yes. So why is it that we give ourselves over to really things that are only ours because of our union to Adam? That doesn't mean they're necessarily sinful, but most of our life is spent doing things that are ours because of the fall, right? I mean, seriously, the reason that we have to work and do the things that we do, not that work is a bad thing, but the reason we have to work the way we do and do the things we have to do and labor for our existence ultimately is because of the fall. And we give ourselves to the things that are are a manifestation of the fall rather than giving ourselves to the thing which what we were created to do, and that is gather with God's people and lift him up. And And so we do. We choose the lesser over the greater. Right, so we, often we choose the broken cistern rather than the living water. Yes, that's a good point. And when it's so accessible to us, it's amazing what we deprive ourselves of. Even when it's it's it, we don't have to work for it. It's there. Right. We, we don't like the taste of the water anymore. Mm, Isn't yeah, that sad? Yeah. We would rather have the water of the broken cistern. Yeah. yeah. We would rather have whatever whatever it's providing. Yeah. It's well, listener, I, I, wherever you may be, um, we are thankful that if you've, if you've stuck with us this long and listened through this series, we hope this has been a help to you. And that's it for today's episode. And that wraps up our series on worship and specifically corporate worship. We want to thank you once again for taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. And we hope this has been a blessing to you. Before we go, don't forget to like and share this podcast with anyone you might find that might find this helpful or beneficial. And also, if you have a question, maybe our conversation has sparked something or maybe something unrelated. Don't forget you can stop by our website and submit questions through the website via the media tab. So until next time, grace and peace be with you all. Amen.